All right, this morning, if you'll take and let's turn to Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter number 16, we'll begin reading with verse number 16. In Acts 16, 16, it says, And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that their hope of their gains, that the hope of their gains was gone, they, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. And brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them. There's a, a council culture right there. It's, it's not new. I mean, we see council culture in our day. But Paul and Silas dealt with it. The multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Now, if this was written in our day and time, they would have went to and complained to the media. They'd have complained this to this person and that person uh, about what was going on, how they were being unjustly treated. Paul and Silas, they just prayed, talked to God, and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Think about that. And I, they had the the attention of the prisoners, and we'll see they had the attention of even the jailer. Verse number 26, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his 
straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Let me ask you a question this morning. If you had a child that was lost and you had the chance to get a message to that child telling them what they needed to do uh, to get home, would you make that message simple or complicated? We'd make it simple, wouldn't we? Uh, Easy answer. We'd make it simple so uh, that they would have no trouble. And it's the same way with God and our soul's salvation. Here in Acts 16, verse 30, uh, the Philippian jailer asked Paul and Silas a very simple yet a very important question. What must I do to be saved? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? It was a question that came from a simple conviction in his heart and soul that he was lost and in need of salvation. I'm glad that Paul and Silas didn't go into a long, complicated explanation of what they needed to do. Uh, The man was given a very simple answer in verse number 31, and they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. I'm happy to report that God has made the way of salvation simple. It's not complicated at all. Men try to complicate things. And uh, it's not good when God has made it so simple. Um, and salvation is made so plain and simple that oftentimes the intellectual giants, they'll stumble over it. And so, well, you know, it's got to be, there's got to be more to it than that. It, it, there's not. <laughs> you know, little children have no trouble just trusting Jesus. And it uh, seems like sometimes adults have, have trouble that thinking that that uh, just doesn't seem right. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty five, he says, Thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Now, our God does not put a premium on ignorance, uh, nor does he penalize for intelligence, but he does indeed stress the simplicity of salvation. Uh, God wants people saved. I know we that are here this morning, we, we claim to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, and that's a great thing, but you know, sometimes we can make things too complicated when we start to begin to talk to people about the Lord. 2 Peter 3, verse number 9 says that the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm glad that God, uh, is a, he, He's a whosoever will may come, uh, inviter to the gospel. And God wants people to be saved. God is not playing keep away. Remember when we were children, we'd play keep away uh, with something that we had. Uh, it, was, it was nice to taunt our little, little brothers and sisters, you know, and say, ha, 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 you can't get it. And, and we play keep away. God's not that way. He wants you and your friends and your family to be saved even more than you do. And it's not complicated, but rather it is simple and that, that's my message this morning, is the simplicity of salvation. The simplicity of salvation. Let's look at how simple salvation really is. First of all, salvation is simple in its definition. First of all, we need to understand the terminology. What does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be saved? The, the word translated in our Bible as saved means to be delivered. But delivered from what? Uh, what was the Philippian jailer wanting to be saved from? Now, some might say that it was the earthquake, but the earthquake was over at this point. 
And uh, some might say saved from his superiors who would kill him if the prisoners escaped. But none of the prisoners got away. And when he, when he found out that news is when he asked the question. I mean, he was about to take his own life. He wasn't going to leave it in the hands of those uh, superiors. He was just going to go ahead and take care of it himself. But uh, he did not do that. He said, what must I do to be saved? Saved from what then? Delivered from what? We give an invitation at the end of the service and invite lost folks to come uh, be saved. Saved from what? Uh, the Bible says in Romans ten seventeen, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Again, saved from what? When the angel announced the birth of Christ to Joseph in uh, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, this is what he said. He said, And she, speaking of Mary, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's what we're saved from. We're saved from sins. To be saved is to be saved from sin. Now understand that people don't like that word sin. They don't like it at all. And it's getting more and more difficult to name sin and call sin out because of the council culture that we live in. Many find it to be offensive to call things sin. And so, now many sins are being redefined by mankind in order to remove the stigma and the guilt that were formerly associated with them and make it sound like, well, you know, uh, it's the Christians that have the problems. All of society says this is okay now, so it's okay. No. You know, evil is being called good and good is being called evil. And those of us who still view it God's way, you know, we're now in danger of the cancel culture. We're, we're viewed as being irrelevant and are subject to being canceled, uh, subject to being fined. Um, heard last week again. Now, uh, and we use PayPal service here at the church, so we have some folks that use it to give. But we're going to have to close that down, uh, and I'll tell you why we got to close it down. Okay, uh, PayPal has determined that they are going to fine if you don't uh, if you put something on social media, which all of our all of our messages go on social media and they're accessible uh, uh, worldwide, if they don't agree with what you have to say, they will fine you $2,500. Take it out of your bank account. Uh, that, that is where the times that we're living in. Uh, not only subject to being canceled or fined, but subject to being prosecuted or otherwise persecuted by society for being, having been... Uh, what they determined guilty of a hate crime. Uh, yeah, being, being a Christian, that's a hate crime when you start pointing at, at uh, what sin really is. Isaiah 5 verse 20 still in the Bible though. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Understand this, that which is good and that which is evil before God is not determined by democracy. And we're not, we're not going to vote on what's good and what's evil. Uh, it's not up for a vote. Good and evil are not determined by a president or a king or a prime minister or any other leader of a, of a nation or state. They're not determined by a judicial or legislative body. You know, uh, 
I know that uh, things changed around in the Supreme Court uh, in our favor with regard to the, the matter of abortion. And, uh, you know, some, some for, for, because uh, abortion was legal, uh, according to the judges back in uh, when Roe versus Wade was determined, they, they felt like it was okay to kill babies. Killing babies has never been right. Okay? Killing babies has never been right. It's, it's always been wrong. And nothing has changed in God's sight. It's still wrong. And, and understand that no matter whether uh, the Congress has talked about, well, the, the judges changed and what we want to do, if we get a majority uh, in the Congress that's, that we're voting on right now, he said that we're going to legislate that it's okay to kill babies in the womb. They're going to legislate. Well, you know, they can legislate it and they can come to a reality that it's legal to do it, but that doesn't make it right. It's still going to be wrong, just as wrong as it ever has been. Society has drastically changed in my lifetime, and it will continue to change for the worse and not for the better. We know that Paul told Timothy, the evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And we see it in, in our day and time, and we ought not to be surprised at it. Now, we, we don't like it, but uh, we ought not to be surprised at, at it because it, it was prophesied that it would be that way. Laws have been changed and will continue to be changed about what things are considered good and evil. But listen, God's law has not changed and will not change. All the things which are recorded as being sins or abominations according to God's word are still sins and abominations in His eyes. People think that they can define right and wrong for themselves. Uh, they'll say, don't judge me. You know, I'm, I, I'll determine what's right and wrong in my life. Never mind what God and His words say about it. As long as they feel or believe something to be okay, that's what they want to go by. Well, you know, to, to me it's okay, so it's, it's, it's right in my eyes. Well, newsflash, <laughs> you're going to be standing before God one day. All of us are going to stand before God one day. God and the Bible point out the very root of mankind's problem and calls it what it is, sin. S-I-N, it's sin. And the problem is that we all are born with a sin nature. We were all born with a deceitful and rebellious heart against God, and because of, of that, we stand condemned before Him. There are some sinners today uh, in particular realms they, and they say well you know I was born this way yeah we, we were all born as sinners and we need to change from, from what we were born to being what God would have us to be and that's being born again amen being born again of his spirit so uh, the, you know that's the bad the bad news is that we are sinners and we stand because of that we stand condemned before God that's the bad news, but there is some good news. Jesus Christ came into the world to save us from our sin. So salvation is simple in its definition. Second thing I want us to see is that salvation is simple in its fruition. And by fruition, I'm talking about what it brings forth in our life, the fruits that it brings forth in our lives. We're, we're saved from three things as it pertains to sin. Number one, where Jesus came to save us from the penalty of sin. Aren't you glad 
to be saved from the penalty of sin and know that when you die, you're going to head to heaven. You won't have to worry about hell. That's, that's a great comfort, isn't it? Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we know that that death that it's talking about is the death that's mentioned in Revelation chapter number 20, verses 11 through 15. It's that, that second death where you're cast into the lake of fire. Uh, as man, the unbelieving mankind stands before the great white throne, they will hear uh, the words, you know, uh, that they were never known by God and they'll, they'll be cast in the lake of fire. Praise God, Jesus came to save us from sin's penalty. Uh, John chapter number 3, uh, in verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus came to save us from sin's penalty. We were already condemned um, in our sin. Second thing is Jesus came to save us from the pollution and the power of sin, from the pollution and power of sin in our life. When we get saved, the Lord not only keeps us out of hell, but also uh, He gives us a new nature, His divine nature. Look at, uh, look at 2 Peter chapter number 1. 2 Peter chapter number 1. <clears throat> when we get saved, the Lord not only keeps us out of hell, and you know that which, that's what most people think when they're, they're saved from in total is, is, is hell, and that's a great thing to be saved from. But along with it, He gives us a new nature, and that new nature is His divine nature, which He talks about here in 2 Peter 1, in verse number 3 and 4. So uh, let's... Uh, it says there, according as His divine power, God's divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You know, when the Lord saves us, He saves us to clean us up from the inside out. Okay? I mean, that first cleansing is of our heart. Amen. We, we, we have a, a wicked heart. Uh, the heart is, is, desperate, is, wicked, uh, is above all things desperately wicked. And the Lord knows the heart, yet He can change that heart. And He gives us power to, to get victory over uh, the things that uh, have control over our lives, the bad habits. He gives us power of the, over those things. He, he both shows and helps us learn a better way to live. He helps us to get rid of the things that don't belong in our life and to replace them with much better things. Mankind's need is not just to be saved from the penalty of sin, but also to be saved from the pollution and the power of sin. The problem is that sin controls their walk. It controls their bodies. And and folks need to be saved from that, not just from the sin that would send them to hell, but the sins that wreck their lives. 
A lot of folks are walking around and, and boy, their lives are a wreck. And they need Jesus because of their sins have been wrecked. And uh, their life right now, except for the Lord's help, is going to stay in that wrecked condition. But He wants to save them and, and help them be delivered from sin's consequences in their life. You know, we, did, we didn't just need help to have a sweet by and by. Uh, but we also needed help with the nasty now and now, didn't we? We just did. The Bible says that after we're saved, sin, it says sin shall no longer have dominion over us. In other words, there's no sin that we cannot gain victory over by the power of Christ. That, that's that resurrection power that gives us the ability to walk in newness of life. He gives us new life. Yet some children of God continue to walk after the flesh thinking they can't do any better. They're thinking, boy, you know, this is just the way I am. I can't do any better than this. Well, yes, you can. You've got been given the Holy Spirit of God living within. And if you'll walk in the Spirit and not the uh, uh, not otherwise, Galatians 5, 16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Jesus has broken the power of sin in the believer's life. May we who are saved claim that victory that is ours and say, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm tired of sin reigning over my life. Jesus is going to be uh, the one who reigns in my life from this day forward. So Jesus came to save us from sin's penalty. Jesus came to save us from sin's pollution and power. And then we see Jesus came to save us from sin's very presence. One day, that is going to be a reality. I mean, we're longing for it, amen? We know that this world is getting darker and darker and is getting more dangerous for those of us that know the Lord. But one day, one day we're going to be ushered into the very presence of God. And when we are, you know, there's nothing that's going to enter in there that's go- that uh, we see uh, in our presence today that is evil. Revelation 21 verse 27 says, There shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. What a blessing it's going to be. Do not have to worry uh, and to be uh, at odds with sinners in uh, heaven to come. One of these days, this corruptible flesh, and and make no doubt about it, this flesh is corruptible. Still is. Even after we're saved, this corruptible flesh is still with us. It's going to put on incorruption one day. Because, uh, you know, corruption cannot enter in there. Amen. He's going to change us in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. Trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. This mortal flesh is going to put on immortality. 1 Corinthians 15, 53. And then one of these days, death is going to be swallowed up in victory. And that comes by Jesus' resurrection also. The reason why we know that we're going to be raised uh, anew uh, is because of Jesus' resurrection. that's, That's really the point of 1 Corinthians 15, the whole chapter of the importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Salvation is simple in its definition. It means to be saved from sin. It's simple in its fruition. We're saved from sin's penalty, pollution and power, and one of these days from its presence. 
The last thing I want us to deal with this morning is salvation is simple in its acquisition. It's simple in its acquisition. Salvation's plan is in Christ alone. It's in Christ alone. Paul and Silas told the Philippian jailer these words in Acts 16.31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. There's a lot of folks who claim to believe in God, but that's really not good enough. In fact, Jesus' half-brother, James, says in James 2.19, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. We're not talking about believing in God. We're talking about trusting God, believing on God. Salvation is not by good works. Salvation is not in religion. Salvation has nothing to do with a feeling. Salvation is not trying hard enough to be or to do right. Uh, Salvation is not by baptism. It's not by church membership. It's not through being sincere or having good intentions. None of those things. Salvation is not found in anyone else. It's found simply and alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's found in Him. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In Acts 4, 12, Peter reiterated and said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Salvation's plan is in Christ alone. And that's grace, amen? It's grace. Salvation's plan is through faith alone. Acts 16, 31, again, Paul and Silas told the Philippian jailer, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Now, believing is not talking about just giving mentally assent, mental assent to something, or having an intellectual uh, exercise of believing something. Believing on, it means to trust. It's, it means to rely on. It means to rely on. Um, Good illustration, uh, there's a difference between believing that an airplane uh, is going to get up in the air and fly and actually uh, showing your belief in getting on that airplane and flying on it. There's a difference in saying, well, I believe that table could hold me up uh, if I sat on it, but believing is actually sitting on the table showing that you put your trust in that it will hold you up. Many will tell you they believe in Jesus Christ, But they are going to split hell wide open one day because they've never believed on Jesus Christ. It's not been a heart transaction. Listen listen to what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 10, verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So this morning, who or what are you trusting to get you to heaven? Oh, the simplicity of salvation Jesus said in Luke 18, verse 16 to 17, and he said it, it's recorded in the two other Gospels as well. He says, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. Many times the children get it, and the adults don't. They stumble at it. Uh, We can make such a mess out of it. My, how we muddy the waters with confusion. We try so hard to make it difficult sometimes, but the difficult part was done by Jesus. Amen? The difficult part was dying for sin. And our part is the easy part. We just simply turned whatever 
it is that we're trusting in to get us to heaven and place our full trust in what Jesus has already done, seeing that he died for our sins on the cross of Calvary. See, Jesus paid the price of our sin. He gave his life for us so that we could have eternal life. He died on a cruel human cross, shedding his precious blood to pay the price of our sin. He was buried in a borrowed tomb, but on the third day the grave could not hold him and he came forth with a glorious, victorious resurrection. And because he lives, we can live too by placing our faith and trust in him and his finished work. He finished it. There's nothing that needs to be added to it. What he, what he did on the cross of Calvary is sufficient to save anyone. If you've never come to Christ, you're only a one step away. The step of faith, like a, a little child, childlike faith, just come to Jesus. Just realize you, you need to be saved. Then realize you can be saved. Then come to the only one today who can save you and place all of your trust on Him. If you need to come to Christ, we'll help you come to know Him today. If you do know Him, here's how this is pertinent to us. What are you doing to see others come to know Him? It's simple. Uh, you know, it's not complicated. In fact, it's very simple. It's easy as sharing God's simple gospel message of salvation with them in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit really does the work in the heart. He takes the Word of God that you share with somebody he convicts of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. It's, it's not on you. It's, it's on the Word. It's on God's Word. I want you to look, turn to one last passage this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And there's a warning here that Paul had <clears throat> to the Corinthians. He says in 2 Corinthians 11, and I want you to look at verse number 3. 2 Corinthians 11.3 But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from simplicity, there it is, the simplicity that is in Christ. Think about the reference there. The serpent beguiled Eve. What was, how could, how could Eve and Adam avoid death? Well, God told them. You can eat any other tree in the garden. Just leave that one alone. And uh, they were tricked by Satan. Eve was beguiled through his subtlety. Got her looking at the tree. Got her forgetting what God said. Listen, don't let, don't let Satan distract you. Satan's out to discombobulate people. He just is. He's out to delay folks. Put it off. Don't, don't, you don't have to get saved today. Oh man, you've got plenty of time. Put that off. Satan's out to destroy folks. We need to make sure, my friend, that we keep it simple and that we are sharing the gospel of Christ with others. Amen. Let's pray. Father.